So what happened is the word spread and there was excitement about the seal and just increased awareness about the benefits of biliteracy. That has led districts to invest in designing articulated biliteracy and world language programs. Um, and so they're building these coherent pathways and setting policies to encourage and support the development of biliteracy. So now you have parents asking, you know, where are the programs that will prepare students to, you know, attain multilingual skills? You know, what are the pathways? Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. How has the seal of biliteracy evolved from a California-based grassroots movement to a highly regarded program offered in 35 states and the District of Columbia? How might offering the seal of biliteracy help school districts strengthen their language programs for all learners? What pathways and checkpoints are built into the journey towards the seal of biliteracy to help guide students toward the ultimate goal of bilingualism and biliteracy? We discuss these topics and much more in part one of our two-part series on the seal of biliteracy with Martha Hernandez. Martha, the oldest of nine children, is a first-generation college graduate and a role model for her siblings, who also earned university degrees and are now serving as physicians, teachers, a computer programmer, an organic chemist, and a doctor of pharmacy. She attributes her family's success to her mother, who is an unwavering advocate for her children with a strong belief in the power of public education. Martha's lifelong support of the United Farm Workers and bilingual education has fueled her commitment to causes of equity and excellence in education, especially on behalf of English learners. Her 42 years of public school experience at the classroom, school, district, and county levels, as well as her involvement in numerous state committees, serve her well to advance the vision of Californians together. As you'll hear in our conversation, Martha is both well-versed and passionate about the history, current state, and future of the seal of biliteracy and its impact on language learners of all types. Let's get started. Hello, Martha. Welcome to Highest Aspirations. Hey, Steve. Good to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on. Um, the seal of biliteracy is the topic today. It's something that um, topic that I'm really excited about and one that I know uh, many of our listeners are too. So, I want to start by uh, by talking a little bit about what the difference is in your mind between bilingualism and biliteracy, because we're talking about the seal of biliteracy here. And for me, I think we need to kind of establish a foundation before we go further. So could you talk a little bit about the difference between those two terms? Sure. Well, a person who is bilingual can fluently speak in two languages. And so it is related to two domains of language, listening and speaking. A person who's biliterate 
can speak, read, and write proficiently in two languages. And so you have the four domains of language, listening, speaking, reading, and writing. And of course, biliteracy also includes this metalinguistic awareness of how the two languages support each other. So that's just an additional little thing that we think about. I love also, that. Yeah, a person who's biliterate is, is bilingual, but a person who is bilingual is not necessarily biliterate. There you go. And I think that helps. But I feel like whenever you put meta in front of anything, whether it's, you know, metalingual <laughs> or metacognition, um, I think it's a great way of thinking about things because it's about, you know, the, the overall view. And I would encourage folks to look that up as well. We're not going to get too far into that today. So getting into the kind of nuts and bolts of the seal of biliteracy, it's currently offered in 35 states plus uh, the District of Columbia. Could you talk a little bit about how it started and, and how it's grown? I, I My understanding is that it was a kind of a grassroots effort at first, and then it kind of grew from there. Is that right? That's correct. It was a grassroots effort. And so the movement, the seal of biliteracy movement, was initially inspired by our organization, Californians Together, in 2008. So um, at that time, our organization was working to pass legislation to implement a state seal of biliteracy. However, this legislation was vetoed twice by a former governor. So the organization then began to work with volunteer districts throughout the state to implement a district seal of biliteracy uh, program. And then uh, California became the first state in the nation to pass legislation in 2012. And that legislation was authored by then Assemblywoman Julia Brownlee, now Congresswoman Julia Brownlee. And uh, we began to award the seal to graduating high school seniors who demonstrated proficiency in English and um, one or more um, languages. So for California, this was groundbreaking because it um, served to acknowledge the value of multilingualism. And um, so that first year of implementation, California districts awarded over 10,000 SEALs. Wow. And yeah, and so fast forward to 2018, it's amazing, but um, districts in our state awarded 55,000 SEALs. And so cumulatively now, uh, we have approximately awarded 228,000 state SEALs of biliteracy since the inception of the SEAL. So we're really excited about that. And that really signals a major shift towards multiliteracy in our state. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, I just, I just kind of wrote some numbers down. So from 2008 to 2012, it sounds like you were really grassroots, sort of working with districts. 2012, it becomes a state seal of biliteracy. You get 10,000 uh, uh, students receiving it. And then you get 55 can, a total of 228,000 people. Um, that's just amazing. That, that's a huge impact. Yes, it is a huge, huge impact. And it really began um, this whole movement towards uh, multiliteracy in our state. Yeah. And, and I, I know that, um, you know, in your view, and I think in many others, certainly in mine, the seal of biliteracy um, doesn't only sort of help individual students, but it also helps strengthen language learning programs in schools. And I, I think that that's kind of a part of your vision. Could you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so um, the CELA biliteracy movement really helped shift the conversation um, as well as the culture in the state. Um, so more people, and of course this includes legislators and educational decision makers, um, are now recognizing the benefits of biliteracy. And then, of course, what happens is that now the popularity of dual language and biliteracy programs uh, continues to grow in our state. So what happened as the word spread and there was excitement about the seal and just increased awareness about the benefits of uh, biliteracy, that has led districts to invest in designing articulated biliteracy and world language programs. Um, and so they're building these coherent pathways and setting policies to encourage and support the development of biliteracy. So now you have parents asking, you know, where are the programs that will prepare students to, you know, attain multilingual skills? You know, what are the pathways? So um, as an organization, Californians Together is really focused on building pathways to biliteracy that are articulated, comprehensive and effective and in terms of preparing students to qualify for the state seal of biliteracy upon graduation. So it really is strengthening um, the pathway to um, the seal. Yeah, and in some ways, it's kind of like backwards planning, right? You have this goal, you want to have the seal of biliteracy, you want a student to get this seal of biliteracy. Um, and so the design of programs to get students there sort of comes um, after or is inspired by this. Um, and you talked a little bit about uh, about the pathways um, to do this, which I think is an interesting topic as well. But before we get into that, I want to say that like my school where I taught, I, I no longer teach, but I was a teacher for 17 years and I taught high school Spanish. I was a part of the world language department at a school um, that was uh, not a very diverse school. So it was mostly um, students learning Spanish or French as a foreign language. But we heard about the seal of biliteracy and my department chair and, and our team really worked toward implementing it at the school. And it is actually um, uh, offered at our school, at that school now in Massachusetts. So um, just, you know, it, it personally affects a lot of people, but it certainly affected me and the programs that we have. I mean, it made our um, all of our courses more rigorous. The pathways to advanced placement courses become more rigorous. Um, so I guess I, I, I can personally thank you all for, for creating that because it certainly strengthened our program. I think that was our initial vision was that this would help create really highly effective biliteracy programs. So I'm glad to hear that it worked in Massachusetts. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about... Um, I know that there are pathways and checkpoints along students' journeys toward earning this seal. It's not just like at the end of, you know, when you're in 12th grade, you're about to graduate, you kind of look back and say, okay, you earned it or you didn't. There are definitely um, some, some checkpoints along the way. Um, and I, it sounds like that's just a product of really good design. Could you tell us more about, why, about what that is, what those checkpoints are, and why you think they're important? Absolutely. So instituting like this process of benchmarking progress and also celebrating student participation and achievement along the continuum towards high level uh, proficiency is a very important step for us. So there are key milestones and critical developmental points along the pathway towards biliteracy, of course, cum culminating in the state seal of uh, biliteracy. But in addition to the high school um, seal, 
awards can be provided to students along the path toward attainment. And this is to encourage students to study languages and develop mastery in multiple languages to keep that momentum going. So um, it's, they are very powerful, I think, when, bestow, uh, when given at critical points. So for example, a critical point would be um, between preschool and kindergarten. And the reason for that is that that's when many parents are making the decision about whether to enroll their child in a dual language immersion program. Mm -hmm. So just highlighting the benefits and how great it is to be bilingual is a good time um, because then parents then just become a little bit more aware. Some districts like to award some type of, um, you know, uh, recognition um, at third grade or at the end of third grade because this is the time where many English learners um, transition out of biliteracy programs and so in order to keep them interested and keep their families interested in biliteracy the end of third grade is a good marker and it's just a Sorry to interrupt there, but that's great. Like yeah. the fact that you all, that that thought is being put into that, like when a student may exit from a program and therefore parents and the students themselves may feel, okay, well, I'm done with that. Now we move on. I think that that's, that's really, really smart um, a, a way to kind of retain that home language and, and value it. Right. And so, you know, student attitudes about bilingualism may, may change during this trajectory. So especially at the end of eighth grade, right, when they're making choices about enrolling in programs and courses that can lead to biliteracy, mm -hmm. it's good kind of to have this great celebration. And the parents are so proud and the students are so proud of their progress. So um, they serve a multiple, you know, um, it just serves multiple, um, I guess, reasons for, for doing it. Of course, you want to celebrate their progress, but there is some intentionality about making sure that students continue um, in the program. Yeah, that's great. And I love that intentional focus um, on that. I mean, we think that some schools, um, you know, don't even offer a language until the middle school um, level. You know, mm -hmm. the fact that you're doing work at the pre-K and K and third grade and elementary levels um, is, is great. It's a model that others can follow. Absolutely. So I want to get into the idea um, of, of the, the idea that the seal of biliteracy can benefit all students. As I mentioned, I taught in two very different school districts. In one district, I was teaching Spanish to kind of heritage speakers of Spanish as a non-heritage speaker myself. I learned, as needless to say, a tremendous amount from those students. And then I, I taught in a district where um, we had almost no English language learners, so I was teaching Spanish as a foreign language. In both of those districts, the students had very different needs. And I know kind of the intention of the seal of biliteracy um, is to, to have that, to have kind of an equitable access to achieving those that the seal, whether you're an English language learner or whether you're um, a student who's proficient in English but learning a foreign language in school. There has been some press recently um, about the idea that sort of students of privilege are, um, are able to access this seal of biliteracy easier than English language learners. So all that being said, and that's a lot, I'm, I'm curious 
if you could talk to us a little bit about who the students are that earn the seal of biliteracy and what work, if any, is being done about making sure that this is really an equitable um, result upon graduation. Absolutely. So, of course, the beauty of the state seal of biliteracy is that it is for all students. And so we do have students who earn the seal who really complete a world language program in high school. Others are English learners who have achieved English proficiency and have demonstrated mastery of their home language. Some students successfully pass the AP exam in a target language. Some are heritage language students who have managed to, um, you know, have another language other than English in the home and who have been able to demonstrate proficiency in that language and English. Um, and some of the students are those who have completed their schooling in a dual language immersion or biliteracy program. Um, however, we are very much interested and in our focus is in ensuring that English learners earn the seal of biliteracy. And many times because of language loss and also the struggle to become proficient in English, these students do not qualify for a seal. And so therefore there may be an opportunity gap. There are other issues and some call it the gentrification of dual language immersion programs where we have more non-heritage um, speakers in these programs. And um, there isn't um, kind of, you know, this thought about having at least a certain percentage of English learners. And so, of course, we advocate that there must be, um, you know, a certain percentage of English learners in dual language immersion programs. Local districts can, you know, really, um, they, they're the ones that develop their, their criteria and uh, place students. So... Uh, many, another problem is that many English learner parents are unsure about enrolling their children in dual language immersion or biliteracy programs mm -hmm. because they're being asked uh, to um, delay the acquisition of English until a later grade, and they want their children to learn English. And so we know that these are issues, especially in California after an English only era, parents yeah. are very hesitant and they just really, really desire that their children learn to read and write in English um, as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So our organization, we're actually launching a social media campaign uh, targeting our English learner families um, to highlight the importance of biliteracy. This campaign is called Alas y Voz, Wings and Voice. And um, you can find these very, very short videos, 15 seconds to 30 seconds on YouTube and on um, Facebook. But we want to get these out. And these little mini videos address some of the uh, concerns that our um, English uh, learner parents have about enrolling their students in um, dual language programs. They feel that they can... Uh, support the primary language, the home language in the home. But of course, as we know, we're talking about biliteracy and high levels of academic language. So right. um, also um, something that um, the organization has done is that recently we're very happy that our um, new superintendent of public instruction, Tony Thurman, uh, when he was in the legislature, he authored a bill 
uh, called dual it's a dual language grant program and it's called pathways to success grant program and it really comes at the tail of proposition 58 which was of course voted overwhelmingly at 73.5 percent of california voters mm -hmm. um, but the pathways to success grant program aims to provide students from preschool to high school uh, developmental bilingual programs for English learners, dual language immersion programs, or early learning dual language programs that are consistent with our new English learner policy here in California, the California Roadmap. Now, that particular grant program uh, is providing at a minimum 10 grants at um, $300,000 um, for a school district or, or schools of education to assist in establishing or expanding these biliteracy programs. And the priority, and we made sure that this was written into the um, legislation, the pr priority um, is to be given to proposals for programs um, with an enrollment that consists of at least 40% English learners at the elementary level and at least 40% English learners and reclassified fluent English proficient pupils combined at the middle and high school levels. So we are signaling that, um, that we believe that programs must have a certain percentage of English learners and we have set that at 40%. So for any district that wants to, um, you know, uh, get these grants and, and um, you know, put in an application for these grants, their programs must have at least 40% English learners. So that, that's just one of the things that we are doing to try to ensure that English learners have the opportunity to um, actually earn a state seal of biliteracy upon graduation. And um, the whole area of um, language loss is a pretty devastating one because as you know, we have families uh, where the parents can no longer speak to their children and their children can no longer speak to their uh, parents and it really is breaking up families and causing other issues. Yeah, and that, that point that you just made is something I want to come back to because it's something that people don't know a whole lot about. Um, but, you, you know, you just, you just kind of walked through um, a lot of uh, legislation, efforts on your part, um, and a lot of different things to kind of turn the tide a little bit on what was an English-only um, system. And you mentioned something earlier, which I think is crucially important about how you know, many families, many parents were thinking, well, you know, English only was the way that my child was going to learn English and was his or her pathway to success. But, you know, research is showing that maintaining the whole language is good for a wide variety of reasons. And I think like, the, excuse me, the social media campaign that you're putting out there, um, you know, targeting uh, families with short videos, and we'll put a link to it on the website as well so folks can see it is great because there's just a lot of um, doubt, understandably so, and just sort of a lack of awareness through no fault of anyone on the benefit of these kinds of programs, um, bilingual programs, and these kinds of certifications of seal of biliteracy, again, for all students, but focusing specifically on English language learners. So it just, it, it just sounds very positive. It sounds like both kind of politically, um, at the grassroots efforts, at the schools, the grants available, it sounds like things are moving in a in a in a positive direction. Is that am I accurate in saying that? 
You are very accurate. And I do have to say that we were very, very happy with the adoption of new English learner policy, the English learner roadmap, because it's very assets based. It has this orientation that really values the culture and the language that students bring to school. And it really also, you know, supports high quality programs for English learners, but it includes bilingualism and biliteracy. Mm -hmm. So now we have this new policy that is really advocating and recognizing the benefits of biliteracy. So, and we were so happy that the new policy was unanimously adopted by our State Board of Education. So we're talking a sea change from 1998 to the present. So um, we're very excited. And I also want to mention that in addition um, to help create, I guess, a multilingual California, the former superintendent of public instruction, Tom Torlickson, he launched um, the California Global 2030 Initiative. Mm -hmm that really calls for the vast expansion of biliteracy programs and experiences. So that document sets benchmarks for California, including that by 2030, um, half of all K-12 students have opportunities to participate in in some sort of program or um, experience leading to proficiency in two or more languages and also to triple the number of students who earn the state seal of biliteracy. And this is coming out of our um, Department of Education. So um, we are just really at a good place in California at this time. Yeah, and, and let's hope that as, as it frequently happens, that, uh, that as goes California, so do some of the other states. And, you know, we have um, a relatively large audience for the podcast, many of which are not from California. But as I mentioned, I'll provide links to some of the, um, the resources that you're talking about, because I think they're, quite frankly, in many cases, models for other states and districts to look at, and they are widely available um, to, to see. So while we are talking some very uh, California specific jargon and language, um, this is definitely applicable to, to anyone listening who's interested in English language learners and language acquisition. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to part one of this two-part series on the seal of biliteracy. In part two, Martha and I discuss how districts are assessing criteria to achieve the seal of biliteracy, supports for teachers with diverse groups of language learners, preventing home language loss, and much more. We hope you'll join us then. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.